Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club, the show where we talk about the news from around the world with people from around the world. This is episode 23 for February 2010. Hello everyone and welcome to your monthly fix for world news with people who are actually from around the world. This is the Phileas Show. No, it's not. It's the Phileas Club Show. And I am Patrick Beja, your host. And today with me are three wonderful people, one of which is already giggling in the background. Uh, you heard him a couple of months ago on the New Year special. Uh, it's Kerwin from the UK, back from a trip that took you halfway across the world, right? Yes. Good morning. I'm giggling because I seem to be the only one that heard you say February just then. Well, it is actually... We are in March. You're right. It's uh, March 6th. But it's actually the show for what happened in February. Usually we would do it at the end of February. But uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I'm just giggling to myself. Then. <laughs> That's quite all right. Uh, Jennifer is also here. Uh, Jen, who was on the show a few months back. Uh, she is also a, a, a world traveler. She was in the U.S., which she will be uh, proudly representing today. But she's actually in the U.K. I am now. Yes, I just arrived this week. Um, but yeah, I've been in the U.S. for the past year, so I think, yep, USA, all that fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And of course, our uh, cigar-smoking Saudi friend, Turkey, is here also. Hey, Patrick. So where's the rest of my recording? I spent, what, more than an hour with you, and all I got <laughs> is, what, 20 minutes? I'm sorry. Are, are you recording now in case I mess up again and, and uh, delete half the show? I forgot to install the program. I just formatted my computer. Damn it. <laughs> I was just looking for it. Damn it. And by the way, tell, tell what, what's his name? Kikshelly or whatever? Yes, Kikshelly. Not to yeah. give me any ideas. What, what the, so the chat room is here with us uh, also, uh, a little bit under 20 people watching the show. Usually we get a little bit more, but uh, we haven't been doing the show live for, for a while. So, um, so I guess the chat room has lost the habit of joining us for, for the show. Uh, and Kishel, was, what was she saying? Um, 714. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kishel is uh, making a reference to our friend Terpster, who's on the Movielicious uh, with us, and who uh, has some uh, weird things he sometimes say, says in the show. I'm not going to repeat what she says, but it's, <laughs> it's yeah, let's, let's not. Let's not derail the show. We've only started uh, uh, two minutes ago, and already we're hearing boobs in the chat room. Crap, I said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is a serious show, though. We're going to be talking about uh, the Olympics. We're going to be talking about Greece, about uh, natural disasters, and a whole lot of other stuff. Um, I hope you will enjoy it. I know I will. And let's just get started. Uh, I, I figured we had to talk about the Olympics, uh, but I'm, I really don't have that much to say, which in itself is already kind of something. Um, so, of course, the Olympics happened. I don't know who's typing, but it, uh, it, it's... Uh, it's done. Okay. Sorry. 
um, yeah, so the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, Kishel, by the way, is uh, from Canada. So she will be very angry at what I'm about to say right now, which I can't remember any Olympics that we cared less about than these previous ones uh, in France, at least. I mean, obviously, we had the, the, the news reports and all that, but I guess it's because we f the f uh, France uh, fared so uh, badly in, in, uh, in the Olympics that we didn't really care all that much. Kerwin? Are you still bitter about <laughs> losing the Games to London in 2012? <laughs> Uh, that might very well be... Well, actually, it's very possible that if we actually had the Olympics organized in Paris, wait, wait, we Patrick, would have... Patrick, are, the Olympics are in 2012. What are you talking about? What? What are you talking about? It's in 2012. <laughs> what Olympics are you talking about? No, because the, um, you know, there was the uh, organizing of the Olympics, uh, which we wanted to have in Paris in 2012, and London... Yeah, but uh, what Olympics wanted. are you talking about? I'm right talking now, the about the 2010 Vancouver Olympics. Yes, the Vancouver. What, there was ones. the Olympics in Vancouver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what the Olympics was that? The Winter Olympics. <laughs> There's right. such thing as you Winter know Olympics. Turkey, skating, skating. <laughs> you know these sports. What are those? For God's sake! <laughs> All right. So I guess I guess we have uh, what what Saudi Arabia was uh, uh, the way they were handling the news about the Olympics. Um, so yeah, I guess not very popular there either. Did you did you even have uh, uh, people competing in the Olympics for Saudi Arabia? Yeah, because we have so much snow, they can train <laughs> all year for the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair Jamaica enough. Jamaica has a bobsledding team. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you see the movie? Yes, well, it, it was, was a great movie. And it was based <laughs> I don't on, on real events. are willing to go through all of that just to go to the Olympics. They don't care. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it's like not to go to the summer, to the Winter Olympics. If at least it's the Summer Olympics and you have like actual sports, then sure. But the Winter Olympics, no, no way. Um, Plus, this whole Olympics was a disaster. Sorry, Canadians, it was a disaster. Why? Why a disaster? I thought it went well. I don't know, but I'm, I'm guessing it went well. Why? Why Almost was it a disaster? My, I followed. It was a huge disaster. My understanding <laughs> is that one of the issues that they had with the Winter Olympics in Vancouver is that this, there wasn't enough snow, and that that really seriously affected the competitors that were relying on snow. So they were tracks that were icy rather than snowy and things like that had happened. Huh. Yes, that... global, global warming. <laughs> and there were a lot, a few accidents also. Yes, there was, um, I believe a bobsledder was, um, was killed in the, um, in the, before the Olympics started when he was just training mm. on the track. In training, yeah. And yeah, that Georgian. Was, yeah, that, that did color the, um, the, the ceremony, the opening ceremony at least, um, which, yeah, that was obviously sad. But at the same time, it's like you're going like 150 kilometers an hour on a, on a paper-thin, uh, you know, sledge or whatever. Of course, some things, some horrible things are going to happen. Oh, it's, I'm just surprised it doesn't happen more often. Anyway. Mm. Um, so, Jen, you were in, in the U.S. Was there like USA, USA all around? <laughs> 
Um, generally, not nearly as much. It did happen with the hockey game when it was USA versus Canada. Um, they ended up winning the first round and then losing to Canada on the second, on the you know the final medal round. And I think um, that's the only time I really perceived any huge amount of um, enthusiasm. Uh, I found it fascinating on my Facebook, actually, on the status update feed because I have Canadian friends and American friends, and it was just great to see it the people updating during the game as it's happening from both sides, because at one point it looks like the U S was going to win. And then finally the U S didn't Canada kind of came up from behind. And I actually never even saw the game, but I found it terribly exciting. I thought the U S won in the end. No, they won the first game, but Canada won the, won the final. Ah, okay. Yes. I didn't even know there were two games. <laughs> I didn't even know there were. Yeah. yeah I, and yeah, then okay. and I had heard some news about sort of, you know, if you, the U.S. did fairly well in these Olympics, from what I understand. And um, things like Bodie Miller, who's this this um, skier, downhill skier, who was a real right brat, apparently, in the last Olymp the last Winter Olympics. And there was a lot of news about him turning his act around and doing well in them with the medals. But, yeah, apparently the U.S. kind of cleaned house at these Olympics. But like I said, most of the time it's kind of it's not nearly on the radar as much as the Summer Olympics can be. Hmm. Okay, so we didn't care. Uh, Kishel <laughs> is saying that uh, it was really huge in Vancouver because she is in... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, Kishel, are you in Vancouver or, or in uh, another place in Canada? Um, let Kerwin, tell us what you... What you um, the way you saw it. You, were you even somewhere like uh, stable? I think in I, I... Think I spent most of the period in the Philippines. Uh, tropical weather, beaches, sailing, not a lot of snow. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it might have passed me by a little bit too. Hmm. Well, so apparently no one cares. Uh, I, I'm mm. thinking Kishel is go going crazy uh, in the chat room. Let's, <laughs> um, let's see. We, we'll try to get her in, uh, in the show. Uh, I Kishel did want to mention one yep. other thing, though, about um, the, one of the things that was big on the news before the Olympics came out was this whole um, controversy around women ski jumpers. Ooh. Um, yes, right. because well, what, it, it turned out that the the world record holder, or the person, the world record holder in ski jumping is a woman, and had beat out a bunch of men, and she was not allowed to compete because there is no women ski jumpers event at the Olympics, and she was not allowed to compete against the men in the ski jumping event that they do have. Um, the Olympic Committee ended up ruling against it, and there's been this huge controversy around that. But that was one of the little pieces of interesting news I found about that. Hmm. And so she wasn't... What happened in the end? She didn't compete. That sucks. Yeah, and she's the world record holder. So That's I thought that was... Yeah. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. she, well, on, on the other hand, if she was the only one competing uh, as, you know... Well, woman. yeah, because they, they tend to have these gender-specific categories yeah. in athletic events. And it, it would have been fun, very, you know, very... Uh, 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 a great suspense. She was the only one competing. What medal would she get? <laughs> they could have devised a new system like if she does if she does well then she gets the the silver if she does exceptionally well, you know, well I, she... I think there are other ski other women ski jumpers in the world and i'm sure that if they had an event there would be multiple women competing in it but they don't um why and, not so, yeah so how did they end up inventing a sport that was uh, that only had one side that's the yeah, yeah. that's weird mystery well the it, thing is it, it it doesn't it just does in the olympics 
I'm sure it, you know, if it was, if, if it happened in the EU, the, the European Commission would have like weighed in and, and said something like it's unfair treatment or discrimination or something. And w they would have had to make a... Well, uh, apparently the Canadian court did weigh in on it. Um, and they said that, it, that the Olympic Committee is not subject to those discrimination laws that are of the country that's hosting the Olympics. Oh, because they're an international organization. Yes. So That's it's a, ridiculous. It's an interesting legal precedent, though, that you're looking at in terms of what other countries will end up hosting the Olympics in the future and that sort mm. of thing. But um, but also, I think, yeah. you know, the Olympics is kind of getting a bit too branded corporate anyway. And I think generally people aren't nearly as interested. There aren't as many heroes in the Olympics as there yeah. used to be. Um, Sigon in the chat room, uh, Sigun, is saying that, uh, he says, I think Jen is confused. Men and women don't compete against one another. That's right. But there yes. is no women-specific uh, event. So there is no women's compete. ski jump event at, yeah. in the Olympics. However, there is a men's. And so when the woman right. was, asked, was competing at an Olympic level, she is ex excluded from competing in the Olympics because exactly. she's a woman. Um, it's it's very true what you you said uh, earlier though. Uh, we're we're gonna get Kishel on the show if she can get her her uh, her mic set up pro properly um, in a minute. But it okay, does feel Patrick. Something just came to my mind. It's not okay, like I'm scared. The Olympic Games is where they have something called curling, and they claim it's a sport. <laughs> oh my god, that's so much fun to watch though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand the game at all, but it's kind of cool to watch. There is something mesmerizing about that slab of, of stone, you know, sliding on the on the on the, the ice. Yeah. It is. But no, but you know. Okay, but besides, uh, apart from the fact that it is, you know, the Winter Olympics are playing silly. No, I'm kidding. It's not true. It, there are lots of interesting sports in the uh, Winter Olympics. And if I was into sports at all, I'm sure I would be interested. But what you were saying, Jen, is I think is being felt uh, not, you know, just in the U.S., but it's becoming very, very corporate. And there were a number of stories of the Olympic Committee uh, protecting its rights and, you know, the rights to the logo, which they have lost a, a while ago, but they still try to protect when the event is actually happening and the, uh, you know, broadcasting rights were uh, protected to a ridiculous extent. And it does feel like this... This the spirit of the Olympics, which is supposed to be something that um, they they have, um, you know, that brings the world together in a in a friendly competition that you know promotes humanity, is becoming it is going away from this a little bit. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Um, an interesting uh, little side note on that also that sort of provides evidence for that. If you, I don't know if you watch um, the Colbert Report at all. Are you familiar yes. with that TV show? Oh, yes. It's a great yes. show. Um, he actually had on a curator of Olympic art that he had on sort of speaking. And what the curator had noted was up until the 60s, the Olympic posters all had sort of featured a heroic figure, a person of some form or another. And then from the mid-60s on, it sort of became these bland sort of corporate logos. Um, mm. And even in looking at like sort of the Winter Olympics in Vancouver, it was this green mesh Canadian leaf with like a little collage on it and that sort of thing. Um, but it wasn't really, it could have branded anything. It didn't necessarily need to brand the Olympics. And it, yeah, it's just a change of culture. It's definitely happened. 
What about? Uh, I didn't think we were going to talk about the Olympics so much, but as oh, long yeah. as we're here, um, uh, Turkey, Turkey, and Kerwin. Um, when we go to the yeah. Middle East and the uh, you know and and Asia, is it, it? Do you guys even care about the Olympics? I'm not just talking about you know the Winter Olympics, but the Olympics in general as a world event that englobes you know the whole planet. In the Philippines, the one event that they will always flock to is boxing uh, so Ooh. even like the last 20, 30 years there have always been boxers that go from the Philippines who have chances at medals um, and then in the last few years I, I don't know if you've heard about Manny Pacquiao Patrick uh, but not Man really. I'm not sure what class he is in but uh, he's pound for pound the greatest boxer in the world these days at least if my relatives can be believed <laughs> <laughs> but uh He is. He has collected a number of world championships over the last few years, um, and he's making that sport even more popular today. So that's the thing that always gets people going about the Olympics in the Philippines. They'll always flock yeah. to the boxing. I guess it's always about you know the the sports that you have that your country has a chance in. If you if you're not yeah. competing, then no one cares, right? A little bit. Yeah. Turkey. Well, uh, definitely there is some interest in the uh, Summer Olympics, so. Saudi Arabia does compete in a few sports during that. So there is some interest. It's a kind of a pride thing just to win any medal. Mm. But definitely zero interest in any Winter Olympics. Yeah. It's all a big, a big competition. Oh, wait, it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, it is a little bit. It does definitely seem like I was thinking about it uh, a little bit earlier, uh, you know, thinking about what the hell I could talk about on the show. Um, and I di did feel like the Olympics in general, even the, the Summer Olympics, were a lot bigger when I was uh, a, a younger, you know, when I was a, a kid, a teenager. It was really a, a big event that everyone would rally around. Maybe I don't have, you know, the same interests and maybe I don't. I don't really watch TV uh, anymore, so it's really, it was what was on TV, period. So, you know, back then you didn't really have a choice. Now we do other things. We go to the internet. We have, uh, you know, a, a whole uh, array of, enter of different kinds of entertainment. But, yeah, I, I'm thinking maybe the, atten the attention has been diluted. Um, I don't know. That's a very interesting point, though, in terms of the longevity of these huge mass events. Uh, mm. the, the mass is not so singular, so unitary anymore. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. All right. Uh, something else that we can talk about a little bit. Uh, 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 I, I guess there's not a lot to say about it, but let's talk about it anyway. Uh, it's the series of natural disasters that have been happening Um There's been a number of them in the past month, and the the fallout of the. Um, oh, by the way, Kishelle apparently uh, her mic doesn't work, so she's not going to be here. She's going to be uh, sequestered in the chat room, being frustrated or at us being angry. Um, she's saying that Canadians did watch uh, the, the the Olympics. Obviously, it was in Canada, uh, but yeah. Hey. So the the Canadians yeah. don't count. <laughs> oh wow! No, I'm only because only because it was organized in their country. That's the only. That's what he meant. That's what he meant. Okay, okay Shell knows the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, come on, so, you know I'm I'm just teasing, Shell. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, the the natural disasters. There were a number of them, and you know, it's uh, like we were saying uh, uh, last month. There's really nothing much um, to to say except for well, it's very sad and uh, it's uh, it's always horrible. But I I don't think I remember having so many in the same month. Uh, I'm, and I remember also we talked about it li- last month. I'm not sure we we it was in the part that we um, that we ke- that we kept that we that didn't get scrapped, but we mentioned the fact that some um, uh, crazy evangelists uh, accused the countries that were victim uh, of mm-hmm. being you know being uh, having brought these disasters upon themselves. I guess there's been a lot of people being bad everywhere because we've had uh, horrible things happening everywhere um, in the past month. There even was a sort of huge storm in France that made a, a few dozen uh, deaths um, in that the past week. That was on the week. west coast, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty bad. In, even in Paris, we didn't go out for a whole day, which it happens very, very rarely. It, it was just, you know strong wind and and uh, and rain it's not like we had uh, uh trees falling over in paris but it, it was pretty bad over the country um anything you know to to add had about rain this? and uh, and wind and you're crying now, well it was you know it wasn't in paris it wasn't too bad but uh in the rest of the country there was flooding and and a few deads deaths uh, it wasn't trivial. It, it wasn't just like we had just a little bit of rain and that was it. But, you know, obviously it was nothing compared to what happened in Chile and uh, in other places. So uh, I don't I need, know. I we, guess. we need to send some sandstorms your way. And then we'll see what you think about that. <laughs> well, I'm sure it will be equally horrible. I'm not saying we're, we're <laughs> you know, I, it's not a, unlike the Olympics. It's not a competition. That, that, you know, it's not like we <laughs> Dude, had a bigger a disaster than you did. Everything sorry? competition. <laughs> well, that's not funny. You're going too far, Turkey. Well, actually, you know, it it it, it it's it it's funny for us, but it, it was you know pretty bad. It, uh, people died. Um, oh. Yeah, that's true. People die everywhere. We had disasters here. A few people died. We had the flooding, uh, which is we just got the king just received the report about the flooding in Jeddah city, which happened uh, I think two or three months ago. And which is, was a disaster. So we're waiting for the ruling on it. See how many heads ruling? are going to roll. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. I, I hope you don't mean that literally. <laughs> no, no, not literally. I don't <laughs> think there's... Well, you well, know, with you, we never really know. But okay. <laughs> I think what's interesting about the this whole, especially the um, kind of propensity of natural disasters that have been happening lately, it's really brought to light the inequality of resources that various countries have in which to deal with them and infrastructure. It's really brought, I think it's made a lot more people aware of the issues that are faced by that lack of infrastructure. By yeah, many that's, yeah that, that's very, very true. I mean, even the, the, um, uh, the, the, obviously the one in Haiti was, was, very uh devastating and the the other ones were not as much well it depends you know on the on the location but that was the the main comment we had um with the one in haiti last month um the Mm. the, this the same uh you know earthquake wouldn't have been as uh, uh deadly in another country that had a proper infrastructure um there was also a lot of talk about the um 
the post-disaster uh, organization and some criticism uh, a while ago about the fact that the, the Americans were not handling it properly. But over the past few weeks, people have been explaining that, you know, you go into a country that has no infrastructure to begin with, and then you throw in a natural disaster that brings down the, the few, the little bit of infrastructure that you had. You have a population that is starving and uh, without shelter and of course it's going to be you know difficult to manage it's not like i think the the worries and the um, um condemnation not condemnation but uh you know the the accusations have been qualmed in the past uh, in the past um, mm -hmm. uh, few weeks so it's it's not an easy situation to deal with mm. I, I do i do wonder oh go ahead well, I was going to talk about some comparisons between Haiti and Chile. Yes. Uh, that in the first day or two after the Chilean earthquake, and the death toll was known to be at around 130 or 214, uh, and everyone's reaction is, well, look how well Chile has managed to survive this uh, because of the resources that they have. And so everyone was kind of patting Chile on the back, and then they subsequently ignored it and went back to work in Haiti and so what grew up in Chile was uh, a very slow social breakdown that mm. uh, as the, the, everyone the world community was too busy with Haiti they decided that the Chilean government and the Chilean military could handle it uh, they were a bit wrong about that and so uh, the looting and other violence and social breakdown just crept up slowly in the cities and so now it's happened i've heard i think we've probably had about three aftershocks now that have all mm. have been uh around six on the richter scale and each of those shocks are making the uh, the death toll augment slowly a bit more each time yeah, uh, but i think i think chile uh, should have managed it better because chile uh, in a way does have the resources i think it's just the government did not manage it correctly that's the problem with it and keep and uh, chile is also a uh, grand central ground zero for earthquakes so they should have been ready for such a thing it's not like earthquakes are something new to that part of the world yeah that's no it's not enough, but it? it you know it you can't expect an earthquake even in a country that has you know many earthquakes you can't expect an earthquake to not have a, a you know a toll on the country no definitely it would have a toll but some a country that's a, a center point for earthquakes should be more prepared and more organized to take mm. care of it when it happens and i believe the problem with chile was uh, uh, poor management from the government it's uh, more than uh, poor infrastructure or anything else it was more poor management mm. all right fair enough mm. no you don't agree jen no no i'm just sort of thinking and pondering i don't really have a, an actual conclusion to draw at the moment yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. you know... It's, it's, Haiti was completely destroyed. The government was completely destroyed itself. So uh, that wasn't easy to uh, to take care of. And uh, it's not like they have earthquakes on a regular basis there, especially mm. not as big as the one they had. Yeah. I guess so. You're, you're, yeah, I kind of agree. There's something um, I wanted to talk about with Haiti, if I could. And of Jen, Jen might be able to give us some comparisons for this. Uh, Jen, I don't know how well you know about the efforts after Hurricane Katrina. Oh, yes, but, I know quite a bit. <laughs> okay, good. I have, uh, uh, I have one close friend who is working in Haiti for an Irish agency called Goal. 
uh, and they've been involved in, in what is called the UNDP's Cash for Work program, where basically uh, what's happened in the way that USAID and UNDP are running the recovery program in Haiti is that they've understood that they can't do everything, that there are hundreds of thousands of able-bodied people around, and they're basically paying the Haitian population to do a lot of the cleanup work themselves, and they're getting all of the aid agencies to coordinate the programs in different areas, but it's an extremely decentralized process. And I think it's a very interesting uh, approach compared to the way such large natural disasters were handled by the UNDP and USAID, uh, specifically Hurricane Katrina and the tsunami, because as far as I understand it in Hurricane Katrina, it was very much a lot of the recovery work was contracted out to private organizations yes. who were then given monopolies. And the same occurred in parts of, I think, Sri Lanka and Thailand. And Thailand especially had similar problems that people were not being allowed to clean up their own homes and uh, clean up their own, uh, dispose of their own family members and things like that. Uh, why would they not be allowed to do that at all? They, well, essentially, when, I mean, Jen can explain more about Katrina, hopefully, but as I understand it, the government was contracting uh, the emergency responses to private companies and giving those private companies a monopoly on the, activi- on the clean-up activities to protect their commercial interests. Jeez. Yes, that happened in the U.S. Also, um, the government contracted out some of the rebuilding, not only just the cleanup, but when it came back to the rebuilding and um, trying to put some more of that infrastructure up and including building up neighborhoods and neighborhood homes. Um, Right. And what it ended up doing was it gave a lot of these people any lack of autonomy or or decision-making about how to rebuild their own homes, even. Um, it was a it it was a very broken system, and it, just even trying to organize um, groups to go down and do any sort of helping at all tended to have to involve going through a ton more red tape than would it, you would think would be necessary because you'd have to work around the interests of these companies that are already in there, and you would have to be able to do work. You'd have to prove that you were doing work that wasn't um, stepping on their toes, basically. So volunteer groups that were trying to organize found themselves very much challenged with all that red tape mm. around it. Well, I guess it's it's very easy to be to be appalled by this and my first reaction is obviously how can you profit out of, you know, the misery of uh, something that follows a natural disaster. If I play a little bit of a of a uh, of the devil's advocate here and I try to understand the reason why it's working like this, I'm thinking in order to get companies to get in and do that kind of work that is necessary don't you need to make sure that they get uh, a benefit out of it don't you need to i think there's a differing philosophy um more so than the the profit issue i think what it comes down to and i think kerwin touched on this a bit is whether it should be a central effort an effort coordinated by a very central body or whether it should be a decentralized effort that is um basically I'm more in favor of the decentralized because in that case, people are able to make the changes that are meeting the needs of that specific community because one thing is what's good for one side of town may not be good for the other side of town and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, I think it's more about that. I do think the profit thing is also in there in terms of the idea of the monopoly. I don't remember. I I do remember coming across some kind of a, a report about how some of these prices were inflated by these companies. 
um, unfairly inflated. I would have okay. to double check where I found that. But a monopoly o always opens up that type of corruption. Obviously, yeah. And Nash in the chat room is saying that Katrina was a special case and it took place in a country and during an administration that was corrupt and was trying to slice as much as possible for their business buddies, which might have happened. But at the same time, if you go with this idea that you need to make sure that the companies in order to bring them to the, uh, to, to the place that needs rebuilding if you think that they need to have an interest in this. But I guess the question is, why are we even going to companies in the first place? Don't we have, uh, you know, non-governmental bodies that will be given the money and to, and to make sure that they are going to do it without profit as their sole uh, uh, well, I way think of when, seeing things? I think when you get down to it, though, if you're looking at development, which is what it would end up having to be. I mean, New Orleans basically had to be redeveloped from scratch in many areas. Right. Companies are the only ones capable of doing that and or they have the resources to do that. Right. It's like private companies that are, you know, they build houses. Like non-government organizations don't really have those resources to actually build a house. Right. Well, But that's, there's a difference that's what between getting the large companies like Blackwater and Halliburton to build them compared exactly. to the local out a small army of small enterprises. Mm. Or, you mm. know, local enterprises, companies that are located and based in New Orleans or New or Louisiana or Haiti or, you know, I totally yeah. agree with that. I guess, uh, again, in the chat room, Lucky129 Lucky, uh, Lucky is saying American, America is in no position to be spending money, which, yeah, I guess that's true. And Nash is also saying something about me, which I guess it's true, is true, is it's a very socialist idea, Patrick. You help people help themselves. And, yeah, my, my immediate uh, thought went to the government trying to rebuild because to me it's the it's the role of the government to do these things especially in a time of crisis but i guess you know it's not going to necessarily be the idea of everyone else to go immediately get money from you know the government to help you you other people in the us in particular obviously might think how can we get you know the 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 business and people themselves to uh to go about Uh, rebuilding, and I guess we're not we're not talking about the immediate after aftermath of the disaster at this point. We're talking about actually rebuilding the infrastructures, not saving the lives immediately. So yeah, so it's it not search and rescue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. All right. Uh, by the way, Kerwin, you told me you you might. Uh, is it okay to talk about this? You might sure. go go to well, um, Haiti. I. This this friend who's a class an ex classmate of mine yeah he's uh, been encouraging me, uh, and I'm a little bit into minds of it. I have there's there's the businesses that I want to keep working on here. Um, I'm not sure. I I yeah, I do think about it from from month to month. It, I think about it quite seriously, and I make some investigations. And about uh, six weeks ago, the same agency that is hiring my friend called me up and they asked me are you ready to go are you ready to kind of commit to us right now and if you're not 100 ready then i'm not even going to put your cv forward right but so if people probably don't know you're you're an architect so what would you go do there well the program that they're involved in that my friend is involved in uh in this cash for work program is organizing transitional shelters so his is one of a dozen or so NGOs 
NGOs that have been uh, essentially contracted to organize the construction of however many tens of thousands of transitional shelters. So mm. it's not the final permanent apartment buildings or whatever that they'll be in, in and it's a step up from the tents and other plastic sheets that mm. they're in now. So, well, that, so it's very, very tempting work and it's certainly something that interests me very much but unfortunately it falls at a very uh, a complicated time in my own life so I'm just mm. not sure if it's wise for me to go without jeopardizing the other plans that I have. Well, I think you should go anyway and let us know how it goes <laughs> from the inside. It's really, possibly. it's really funny. I actually was planning on, um, I was scheduled, I had a flight and a, and a ticket to go to Haiti back when the coup happened. It was like 2006, 2005. Um, mm -hmm. I was, yeah. I actually, um, my, my first teaching job was in a Haitian community in Boston. And so I got very involved with that Haitian community and ended up um, getting some work at a cultural arts center that I was going to be going to and ended up not being able to go because the coup, all the flights were canceled going in and out of Haiti and it hasn't happened since then. But um, it's just, it's interesting that um, the U.S. has been sort of touting a very, a connection with Haiti quite a bit. Mm. Um, but it's... It's kind of I, the one good thing that I am happy, well, not happy about. The one thing that came out of this that I think is a benefit is that at least members of the U.S. are now more aware of what that connection is between Haiti and the U.S. because it is quite a deep connection in our history between the two countries. And so that was, um, that's just my basic comment. Okay. It must be a deeper connection in Florida yeah. as well, where you've just been, though, Jim. Absolutely. Yes. It was very, it was very much in the air in Florida while it was happening. Yeah. All right. Um, we could talk a little bit more about uh, natural disasters and the wrath of God, but uh, let's move on to another topic to uh, wake up uh, Turkey from his uh, slumber. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to have something to say about this. Hey, Apparently, Patrick, when it comes to natural disasters, it's always the wrath of God. They are sinners. They deserve it. The what? Oh, yes, absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm sure that uh, you will have something to say about uh, this next topic, uh, because I'm sure you're uh, going to be laughing at Greece. Because apparently, uh, for those who don't know, um, Greece is bankrupt. They don't have any more money, and they're, they're now str struggling to try and get the country, the government and the country, uh, to save it from basically the brink of disaster. And uh, they could be our sort of uh, European Lehman Brothers, and they could drag the whole European Union down if they are not um, saved from economical uh, and financial disaster. Uh, so how amusing is it to you, Turkey? I'm willing to go. If they have an auction for the country, I'll go for it. <laughs> as long as we start with one euro. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it is. It is sort of the thing is, OK, I'm I'm uh, I was going to say I'm from Europe, so I'm going to go first. But uh, actually, Kerwin is also in the UK. Um, do you have any yeah. comments from the uh, Euro, uh, you know, septic uh, uh, view of the UK uh, on the uh, disaster of Greece? Uh, not really. Okay. Well, fair enough. I'll go. <laughs> I'll, I'll go anyway then. Uh, I um, might formulate some thoughts as we go. But yes. 
Uh, okay, well, you can do that. Uh, my thoughts, uh, I think that generally the thoughts of, of uh, France and maybe even the rest of Europe, um, as illustrated by uh, Angela Merkel's, uh, the, the, the um, Germany's uh, chancellor, um, refusal to basically back up the Greek uh, um, uh, loans, loaning, you know, Greek Greece is basically going to uh, borrow a lot of money to get back together, and they wanted the rest of the EU to not exactly guarantee the loan, but say, we are behind you. And France and uh, Germany, who are the main uh, two countries in, in, you know, in this respect in Europe, have been saying, you know what, we're not, you know, we're not going to completely forget about you, but it's not like we are, we are, yeah, exactly. Please sort this out by by yourself. We're not going to completely, you know, let you die in a ditch. But it's really your problem. And one of the reasons why this is happening is that there's a strong feeling in Europe of what the hell has Greece been doing with all this money we've been funneling to them through the European Union? Because Greece is extremely corrupt. It's been uh, swallowing a whole lot of money uh, for the past you know, few years, and they are always in trouble uh on the money front you know they're they're they never have a uh, uh it's not like we in the other countries are completely healthy we obviously have a huge debt but the the the, the greece is even more than than us and we keep giving them money and they never get out of the of the you know of the ditch they're in so we are sort of a little bit at the same time obviously we can't let them go under completely but it's not like but we we do you understand we wanna, why we can't let them go under completely well your the euro because and Europe European will go down. union is is not can't really afford to have one of its big parts uh you know collapse it would be a disaster okay patrick i'm willing to help i'm raising my bet to two euros (laughs) (laughs) well you know does this is sort of a test of the eu it's the first real big test of exactly what the u means in the eu um i do kind of wonder if um, that's a little harsh but okay it is though it is a test it's not um you know I, i don't think it's harsh harsh as much as just that it's an actual fact. This is where finally we're going to find out what those boundaries are between how much the countries are interdependent and how many, you know what I mean? Like, well, you yeah. know, it's, it's, I, I think we're seeing already one of the effects of the EU in the fact that uh, Greece's uh, currency is the euro. So it's basically, you know, the, the overarching uh, currency for the whole union. And if it wasn't, uh, Greece's currency would be worth nothing right now um as the or as the european currency it took a little dive which by the way is not necessarily a bad thing because euro has the euro has been very very strong in the past uh, few years and it's uh it's been a problem for our exports so i don't think we're so super super sad seeing it go down a little bit but yeah the first effect is First of all, their currency is still worth something because it's our currency too. And second of all, even if we say, you know, you guys, you know, deal with your problems yourselves, we're still also at the same time 
all in this together. So it's not like, as I was saying, we're not ditching them completely. Oh, so yeah, I think and I, I wasn't is, suggesting is Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't, I mean, I've just sort of, it really is, though, going to start making the EU have to have to look at exactly what policies are effective in terms of if you do have a country that's going under, um, how, what are the best policies in order to create the least amount of damage for everyone involved? Mm. I don't, I don't think that balance has been struck yet, but I think it's, you know, that's going to be what this process is going to be about. I suppose it could be, but my, my worry is, and I think it's sort of this, uh, um, disillusioned view that everyone has about politics but my worry is in the same way that the the final the financial breakdown didn't have any effect on the regulations on on banks and insurance companies greece is not going to go under it's going to have you know it's going to borrow money it's going to bounce back and it's 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 we will forget about this in a year and a half when things are, will be back to normal and we're not going to really arrange you know change things to prevent like it's not like all of a sudden we're going to have super strict rules about the money that goes to one or the uh, one country or another and they will have to account for the money uh, at every step and that's what well, we would need for this specific uh, issue i read an article that greece has a few hundred islands maybe it's time to start selling some of these islands <laughs> you really want to buy an island in in the mediterranean don't you i i, I heard the maldives are looking for new island because they're <laughs> oh. <are sick>. people. i should mention actually patrick um i am a brand new citizen of the eu now you That's are i am yes oh as, welcome <laughs> thank you very Woo-hoo. much <laughs> But, Although so I suspect that you know we we do have a few um, a few Actually, uh, American uh, uh, listeners, so they might uh, deem you a traitor and want to hunt you down. So, oh well, uh, I'm a dual citizen. I haven't given up uh, my American citizenship. Okay. So the phrase was perhaps a little inaccurate. It's not that you're a brand new citizen. It's just that all right, the all EU right, recognizes right. you for the. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question: If a war yeah. go starts between the EU and the US, which part are you going to support? Oh, gosh, probably the part that gives me the better health care. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent answer. That's a good one. Uh, by the way, we were uh, to bring it back to the uh, to the Olympics. We were uh, I-, I saw a picture about um, one of the games that was uh, won by the U.S. and lost by the uh, by Canada. And it was a picture of a crowd with people holding up signs uh, from it-, it was Canadian people. And w- one of the signs were was hilarious. It was, uh, yeah, you might have beat us in this. But at least we still have health care. So I thought that was a fun <laughs> That is fantastic. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, we could, we could actually talk about this quite a bit, but it's not very relevant to, uh, to today's <laughs> show. So I'm always a sucker for healthcare discussion and the disaster <laughs> that it is in the U.S. But yeah, let's, let's not go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, I think you know. Let's let's move on to another topic. Do you, what about uh, you guys? I've I've been uh, talking too much. Do you guys have anything interesting? Mm. Not everyone at once. Now I know um, the assassination in Dubai, uh, the Mossad assassination. That ought to get Turkey talking. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, it won't get me talking. I'm just gonna say two words. It's a joke. Three words. Oh. <laughs> it's a joke. Can you elaborate for just a second? 
it's a complete joke. I I just find difficult that the Mossad did a assassination like that, and the and Dubai was so easy to find them. And for God's sake, the Mossad needs what fifty people to assassinate a single person. I don't trust either side. I think both of them are just making up stuff up. Really? Oh, I thought you would have uh, you would have uh, gone into a rant against uh, the Israeli secret service. Look, I don't. I I would believe the Mossad actually assassinated him, but the way Dubai is saying about it that there were fifty assassins and whatever. Okay, sorry, but that's just outrageous. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, that's not at all what I expected. You're full of surprises today, Turkey. Um, why don't you go next? Something that you do want to to talk about. <laughs> Well, Nash just keeps on shouting bloggers in Saudi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was uh, it was a, a very interesting story you posted uh, earlier on Twitter. L- let's talk about that for a second. Um, well, it's in the, I think people should check it on Twitter. It's an article on Fox News. Sorry. <laughs> I know, I hate myself. <laughs> well, you know, I think... Yeah, okay, let, just explain what it, what it says, and then we'll talk about that uh, Fox News um, uh, issue, about us linking to Fox News, because we got a reaction <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> well, it's basically, they have, uh, they're talking about some uh, uh, popular Saudi bloggers who usually mostly blog in R and English, and when, how they go through all the censorship and mention different uh, topics in uh, Saudi Arabia, some of them that are taboo. And uh, that's the short version. And definitely when I meet the blogger, I know him on somewhat of a personal level, I'm going to kick his butt and tell him, next time pick a better news channel. But, okay, wait a second. This is a a very well-written, balanced, interesting article that shines the light on the, the struggle of Saudi bloggers against censorship and, and uh, preconceptions. And, that, and, and, that, and that's, that's why I tweeted it, because it was yeah. balanced. But that still, it still bothers me. It's Fox News. So why? It's it's if if they are so that's basically the the argument that uh, C J Mac uh, L L Hini I'm sorry I'm not sure I'm I'm pronouncing his name right um, on Twitter he he was surprised that you tweeted something that was on Fox News and that I retweeted it and you know I'm I'm I was surprised at his comment because that's what makes us. I would hope, different from Fox News. It's that when someone from the other side does something that's commendable and and uh, and uh, uh, something of quality, we are not go- going to be blinded by ideology and we're not going to say, oh, it's Fox News, so I don't like it and I don't care about it and they're assholes. It's, you know, it's it's... If they do something that's worth mentioning, then we're going to recognize that and we're going we're gonna to talk about it. Not, you know, it's not like we have to promote it, but if it's worth tweeting, then we're going to do it. And we're not going to be like the people who are completely, uh, you know, into their, their, their cult and that don't even want to hear what anyone else has to say. So w- why is that not, you know, why is that not commendable for Fox News to make that effort? It's not that commendable, as I said. If uh, if I didn't uh, 
uh, approve of this article, I wouldn't have uh, tweeted it. So, uh, but I basically, you're saying th this blogger. Uh, I'm sorry. What's his name again? <laughs> Ahmed. Uh, Ahmed. Yeah. So, Ahmed. why would you tell him if he's trying to open? You know, arguably, the best way if, if he he puts an article in the New York Times, for example, he's going to be talking to people who are already convinced of what he's saying. If he puts it in, on the Fox News website, maybe he's gonna, going to talk to people who might have preconceived ideas about, uh, you know, about Arabs and Saudis, and especially an Arab guy called Ahmed. Um, and yeah. well, and my, might, my you know, problem is I is the, the mistrust with Fox News. I I don't trust them enough to believe that this is whether they're going to stop, and that's the balanced view. I'm worried about what they're going to do next. So that's my problem with Fox News. But if they so do what, something what good, I want. I will not say no, and I'm and I'm and basically I'm. It's more of a joke when I'm saying I'm going to kick his butt for doing it with Fox News, but. It's not like a news source that I can trust and rely on and know that they will be balanced in their next uh, article and the article after that. If they're mm. going to be, then that's good. Then I can I have no problem with that. But it's, it's, it. it's, a, it's a network that worries me when they talk Fox, about something. Fox has an agenda, period. I mean, there's no, there's no getting around that. And even if they do report on something that, you know, may appear more balanced than in other things, if it doesn't fit with their agenda, they're not going to report it. It's just the way it is with that network. Well, even so, you might have, you know, one article that, again, it's, I don't think it's, it's achieving anything to say they have an agenda, we're never going to talk to them. You know, I think it's it's going to be more you're basically applying the uh, philosophy that the Bush administration had towards Iran. Now, I don't know that, you know, they, they were like, we don't talk to them. We don't uh, have anything to do with them because they are our enemies. I don't think that achieves anything. If you try to to, you know, build bridges and, and speak to people and and show very simply like what this article, what the effect that this article has, it it shows uh, people who believe that the Arab countries are completely uh, closed, overwhelmed by by um, uh, you know fanaticism. It shows them that there are people who are like them and who who want equality and freedom and stuff like that. So uh, someone the, who uh, watches this Patrick, might go. You're, you're, no, you're talking about the completely different type of people. The people who are going to read this, which is mostly Fox News followers. So no offense to anybody who's following us and watches Fox News. I'm saying majority. I'm not saying everybody. They already have an opinion, and this is only going to confirm that opinion. And they're only going to read the bad sides or the ugly sides, or the sides they don't agree with, and they're going to ignore the other part. And they're basically what they're going to say. You see how Saudi Arabia is so close and so bad and so thick. Some people have to write in blogs and hide and do stuff like that. So it's not exactly telling them how open or what's, how things are changing or getting better. Well, I think you're, you're, you're having a very... Um you know with this kind of kinds of views you can't make the situation evolve you know if you think well if they're never going to see the good side of things then we don't even want to try and and talk to them 
then obviously they're never going to see anything. They're never going to change their opinion. They're not even going to have th this little glimmer of of uh, of thought that might evolve into something a little bit different in on the in the long run. So I think it's it's not a very productive way of seeing things. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Apparently, uh, <laughs> Obama talking to and opening, you know, a little bit of negotiations with Iran hasn't produced anything. So maybe the Bush administration's way of doing, of dealing with, uh, you know, international uh, diplomacy is the right way to do it. No, oh, I think you're oversimplifying the issue just a bit. Absolutely. That's <laughs> what I like to do. I yeah. oversimplify, put everyone in a box, and that's easier. Okay. Well, <laughs> if it works for you, then great. But I, I think it's slightly more complicated than what you're talking about. And in terms of, like, you know, opening a dialogue with Fox, to what end? Are we looking to... Um, change and hope that they actually do report more balanced? Do you actually think that by, by you know, tweeting an article on Fox that we're somehow, you know, advancing the cause of openness? I just don't see that. Well, I think it's, I'm not saying it's a good solution. I'm just thinking it's better than the alternative of, of ignoring them completely. You know, Fox News watchers are people too is what I'm saying. Uh, you, <laughs> you, know? you, you should read, there's a great book that this man named Robert Reich wrote, who was, he used to be Clinton's um, labor secretary. Uh, he took a trip across the U.S. and basically met with red staters and blue staters and came up with that exact conclusion, which is that we're all just people looking for the best. Um, the, the polarization is something that happens on a level of media. Um, so I think you know, it's kind of interesting. I would, I would, if if I'm talking to a Fox News follower, yes, of course they are a person. But if I'm going to be talking or in dialogue with an, you know, this media conglomerate that is Fox, I'm sorry, they're still the enemy at this point. Well, I think it's 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 interesting that they would post an article like this, which is, again, I think a well-written, valuable, balanced article. Uh, you know. And, yeah, and, and having not read the article. Okay. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you know wanted me to translate the way that article? It's a good article, but the way the Fox viewers are going to read it? Uh, in, in, in so much that you are inside the head of everyone who watches Fox News and reads the Fox News website? And a majority, yes, yes. So if you follow okay. Fox News, you get the same idea. No, I know what you're going to say. say. It's, it's a press country. It's uh, it's uh, the people are dying. We should do the Bush mentality. We have to bring democracy to this country. Just invade it and get rid of, of all of these people and make it into a democracy. That's how they're going to think. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's 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 possible. Uh, and as as uh, Lucky One Two Nine is saying again, he's <laughs> he's yelling. Arabs are scary. I think. Yes. I like what Nash has to say right after that. <laughs> What did he say? Does anyone think that you've spent more time talking about Fox <laughs> and not the actual issue? <laughs> well, yeah, it is. It, uh, that's very true. Okay, let's go back to the actual issue. Uh, if you can summarize, uh, Turkey. Thank you, Nash, for keeping us on track. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Nash, by the way, are you are you CJ on on Twitter? Is it you who who posted the the joke uh, question? I know uh, it was supposed to be a joke, but um, are you the one who are uh, who are answering us on Twitter it takes a little while to get the answer for the ch from the uh, chat room <laughs> so I'm gonna wait for him to answer but um, the yeah so uh, um, let's let's 
uh, uh, talk about the actual article and what uh, uh, Ahmed was was talking about uh, in there, Turkey. What what was the issue? Because it's basically an issue about uh, censorship in in Saudi Arabia, which we talk about a lot, but. Uh, I think it was it's it's worth it uh, at the this point. Nash is saying he's not the same person uh, that was talking to us on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So smile. so what's what what was the article about? Well, uh, we're honest. I did get a chance to read it word by word, but it's basically about uh, uh, bloggers. Wait a second. <laughs> what? Wait a second. You didn't even read the whole article. I read the whole article, not word oh. by word. I was at work. You so. completely discredited yourself. I no, am... I did not. Okay, not, did not discredit myself. <laughs> I know Ahmed Al Amran, and uh, and I know his blog. Yeah, and I did read all the head uh, the bold things. Basically, I did go through <laughs> okay. it, and it's all about bloggers. Uh, being a, talking about the, the social aspects of Saudi Arabia and about the government, the human rights, and so on. Yeah. And uh, how it's a, a difficult aspect and how that there is a backlash against some of well, these bloggers, either from the, religious yeah, the, authority or the government. Yeah, the thing that, was, that, that struck me as, as uh, very interesting was the, the fact that apparently there's a, a, a new uh, fatwa that's been issued by, by a, an ultra-conservative cleric um uh that oh, forget that yeah well okay it's not you think he's being disregarded well what what uh, there's a fatwa against people who uh who oppose segregating men and women in saudi arabia and say that okay, sh they should be killed say, is this I'll irrelevant say this much. his website was blocked in saudi arabia after that fatwa oh okay so he's not he's not being taken seriously uh, he was blocked and he is being fought and trust me, I'm sure the government is now talking with him to withdraw that fatwa as, as soon as possible. Okay. Because well, because that person, uh, let let me say it in a simple way, uh, that he's an old person, he's uh, I think in his, in his 20s or 80s, I don't remember exactly. Uh, he is famous, but he's not huge. Hmm. And uh, according to his fatwa, uh, the king should be killed. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's something that. And actually, it might make your point about Fox News that doesn't come out as in in the article. Um, in the article, it seems like there is a small minority of bloggers who are trying to fight these kinds of ideas, but they are very oppressed, and it makes it seem like they these you know this atwa even has legs, kind of. So. Yeah, it has legs with the extremists, but uh, within the government and within the majority of people, this fatwa has been uh, shunned. It has been uh, uh, blocked, and it has been uh, fought against. So, this fatwa is one of the worst fatwas in recent uh, years, and people are outraged about it. Okay. All right, uh, another topic, uh, uh, one from France, actually, that might uh, bring us back to kind of the same discussion that we had about the Borka yesterday, uh, not yesterday, in the last show that uh, uh, the listeners didn't actually get a chance to, to hear. Um, yeah, it's an thank interesting you, <laughs> It's an interesting case of a fast food restaurant uh, somewhere in France, in one of the suburbs, uh, a fast food restaurant, you know, akin to, to McDonald's uh, called Quick, uh, 
and it's a Belgian company, I believe, or French, um, that had Belgian. a... Yeah, Belgian. Uh, and they had an all-halal uh, menu. Meaning, you know, halal uh, is No the, offense, the, uh, Patrick. Why is this being a big deal? Well, that's what we're going to uh, discuss. It's the, For people who don't know, halal is the way of preparing the meat and the food in general uh, in accordance to the rules of uh, Islam. Is that an accurate description? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so there was a restaurant that decided to, a restaurant that is a, you know, regular fast food joint that decided to make the whole menu completely halal. Um, and it was sort of a, it's not like the controversy took the whole country, uh, you know, like the, the Borka did, but it did raise a few questions of, you know, this is, uh, 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 is this uh, uh not really discrimination, but should we impose that kind of thing to other, uh, you know, customers that don't necessarily want to eat something that's uh, halal? Or uh, it's a the... free market. Go buy from someone else. Well, remember that we are in a socialist country where the government should regulate on so, everything. So, so you're going to tell me what I can sell and can't sell? Uh, well, to an extent, yes. there is, you know, that kind of uh, that kind of uh, regulation, but um. Yeah, so to you, Turkey, obviously, it's uh, whatever. Anyone can choose whatever they want to do. You don't see any moral, societal uh, question in this. Yeah, I think it's stupid. It's a business. If they want to do it this way, they should do it this way. If you don't like it, go to another place. Nobody's forcing you to buy except only that stuff from that place. All right, it's a fast Jen, food restaurant. How, it's a burger how, place. Just go to uh, another burger place. That is very American uh, of you, Turkey. Mm -hmm. I'm going to turn to Jen and ask her, how does she think it would go over if there was a McDonald's somewhere in, you know, where the, 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 the country in, in America that decided to serve only halal uh, uh, burgers? Um, it wouldn't go over terribly well at all. Um, I, I am, I mean, you know, that's kind of an understatement. Uh, I am curious as to whether or not that does exist in certain areas of Michigan where there, you know, sort of the, there's um, around Flint in that area of Michigan, there's huge, uh, there, that's the highest concentration of Muslims that live in the U.S., of mm. American Muslims. Um, and I'm curious if there are any halal McDonald's there or not. I, I kind of doubt it. Um mm. But, yeah, that wouldn't go over terribly well at all. Well, to, to make things really clear, we have a lot of halal uh, uh, restaurants everywhere yes. in the country. You know, it's not like we, we don't have any. The reason why this resonates in a funny way um, with, with, you know, the, the, the European psyche is these fast food, uh, this fast food chain is supposed to have the same kind of food everywhere and it's a european brand and you know there's something that speaks to us on a psychological level it's sort of like you're changing something that is ours when it's I an say identity you, you know, issue yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah and that's exactly what would be going on in, in the heads of americans with if, if someone were to change mcdonald's it's, yeah. it's an identity issue yeah So let's turn this around, Turkey. If there was, a, a, do you have places in Saudi Arabia that sell food that is not halal? What is halal, first of all? What I don't know. You tell me. Well, halal you know, food you, you, is basically you kill the, two things. You, yeah, you kill the animal in a specific way. Yeah, and you don't serve pork. Okay, so that's it. So, okay, so, so how do you kill the animal? What's that? 
you're supposed to use a knife to cut his throat at the veins or whatever. I'm not sure exactly what's the system. And uh, let it uh, bleed to death. Yeah. Okay. It's, so it's basically, it's basically no swift it's, 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 it's also the same thing with kosher. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically yeah. the same thing. It was, you know, it's all rules of making sure that the uh, slaughterhouses were making things in a relatively hygienic way. That was weird. But it was, yeah, some sort of uh, halal song. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Turkey, you didn't answer my question. If you had like you know some uh, a chain that had a, a restaurant that would sell food that is not halal, what how would that go over in Saudi Arabia? Food that is not halal—that's not even possible. <laughs> well, there you go. So it wouldn't go over very well. So it why won't is go it? over very well because nobody's going to do it because uh, there's no need to do it. Well, okay, but it's still it wouldn't go well because the 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 people would not accepted because it gets it goes against their well it's against their religion but you can you yeah, can't but wait see a minute but wait a minute be... wait a minute that's because here everybody's muslim so who are you sure. going to market it to no but you're <laughs> you're you, you keep going back to a purely commercial aspect you don't think there's a there is no, I, I a think he's, he's talking about the fact Sorry. that saudi is a different has different makeup of society there isn't a significant minority that you can market an alternative product to so the question doesn't stand very appropriately in saudi arabia so uh, yeah ob- yeah That's, obviously uh, i understand look, this I'll but put it, i'll put it i'll put it in two things in two two aspects all right it is a commercial thing it is all about money these are companies they want to earn money. It's all about the money. That's number one. Second, you cannot compare a monarchy, uh, an extremist, religious, closed country with a country that's supposed to be separating religion from from government. All right. I think you're sidestepping so, the you issue compare. and you, you don't want to answer. But we sure. could try and we could try and pose the question a different way. What if all what if the restaurants inside the new university were selling lamb that was not halal mm, that's a good question the problem is because you're asking you something because well, all meat in this country is halal yeah exactly it's it's so so how how can anybody sell it if it's all halal and just like nash said non-muslims can eat halal but non-muslims cannot eat non-halal so yeah, well, again, I think there is... Well, the point I was trying to make is that there is more than a commercial and market uh, issue in this, and you're choosing to ignore it. But, you know, maybe... No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not choosing to ignore it, Patrick. You're, we're talking about completely different countries. You cannot compare Saudi Arabia to France, for no, example. No, okay. Listen, well, it's, it's yeah. the same thing as the, the burqa. There is no, uh, you know, reason why the burqa is a danger, like an immediate physical danger to anyone. It's just that it it does play on a string of something more emotional. And and and, and, and I told you my opinion with the burger. Yeah. I have no problem making women uncover their faces when they're in uh, places like where they're required to their identity to be is known and, and for security for whatever. But to force a woman not to wear burger when it's her own option and her own will to wear it to force her to tell her no you don't have the right to wear it i think that goes against even your own uh, society belief system which the basics of the society you're in okay uh, 
anything to to say about the uh, halal uh, quick Jen or Kerwin? Uh, Kerwin, I've well, and, well, both of you yeah. were trying to say something. Go, well, Kerwin. I was, yeah, I, I and uh, my close friend Eddie, who a couple of you know, we've been talking about this issue for quite a few months, and we've been waiting to see when this is going to happen. We we've been saying for a long time, surely there's going to be what what we thought was would start in America. We thought there would be a Christian organization of some sort that opposes the fact that they're, they're being sold meat that uh, has been, pre has been um, dedicated to Allah, for example. So we thought the story would first come from America. I'm a bit surprised that it came from France first. <laughs> I, suppose the, uh, I suppose the religion of the secular republic is stronger than the, uh, the Christian religion in the U.S., <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm a bit surprised too, but also I think um, the the core issue with this is not about the whole meat. It's about a diverse culture that is struggling with understanding the old cultural identity versus this new diversity. I mean, England, of course, is dealing with that. The U.S. has been dealing with it quite a bit. There's this whole idea of, um, you know, what is American um, and how can we still be American if we have all these other influences? England. That's very that's very easy. If you have a lapel pin, then you are. There you go. Yeah. All you need is that little flag. You can fly the flag anywhere in America you want. It's all over the place. But, yeah, it's, I think it's a cultural identity issue that people struggle with, is that, okay, if there's halal meat being sold at this this European-branded thing, then that makes it no longer European. Then what happened to my, you know, what happened to the thing I used to eat when I was a kid? And yeah. I think that's where the reaction is coming from, not so much from a fundamentalist religious place, but it just seems that the people who are fundamentally religious tend to be more sensitive to that type of reaction. I don't know, but I do think um, it's a cultural identity issue that is coming to a head for many European countries that are dealing with a much, much more blended, diverse culture than many people grew up with. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I think you, you summed it up pretty well. Um, so I guess we'll think you, of it. Yeah. Well, think of it this way. Can, where can we imagine a situation? Can you imagine that you would go into a restaurant in parts of Europe or parts of US and alongside being able to choose how you want your meat cut, being able to choose on the menu whether you want halal or non-halal? Well, the, the, the problem is in that specific restaurant, the restaurant, it's all halal. So theoretically, right. like you were saying, Turkey, yes, you could go somewhere else and have something that is non-halal. But if you go to that restaurant, which is very possibly, you know, uh, one... Uh, not this, the only restaurant, but, you know, it's the one quick in that uh, little town, then you, have, you don't have a choice. You have to eat that kind of meat. And I don't know that it's especially less tasty, but, you know, uh, uh, kosher meat is a little bit less tasty than actual, you know, not kosher meat. So I suspect it's the same. And just if you don't want that, you don't really have a choice in that restaurant anymore. And you, it, it does... Um, it does ring a little bit frustrating with uh, people who are thinking, as Jennifer was saying, as Jen was saying, you know, I'm, I don't want to have this imposed to me. If we have a choice, uh, you then have, fine. You have but... an open economy, Patrick, in your country. Yes, we do. It doesn't so mean we don't have on, rules. Go, go, go and open another place. If you can find would, it, you Yeah, can actually, go. Turkey, to speak to that, I think the offense is not so much that, I, it's not that the meat, the halal meat is being imposed on people. It's the idea that the halal meat is being imposed on something that they traditionally saw as not a place where they would see that. It's, yeah. it's, it is isolationism in a lot of ways, but, um, and I don't say that well, I entirely agree with Jennifer, that. Jennifer, Jennifer, 
Jennifer, this is not the first restaurant to do this, which is an uh, European or American restaurant. For once, do you know Church's Chicken? Yep. I think it's yep. called. Church's Chicken it's went halal a few years ago. What is mm-hmm. that? They don't sell pork anymore, and, they, and their meat is halal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know it, that? I didn't even know that. And it, it, I mean, for me, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. But it had, it, I guarantee you, had some if it's on any any radar anywhere, it will be brought up. Although Church's Chicken is not something that people aren't. It's not as strong a brand as something like McDonald's, where there's yeah. people attach their identities to pieces of that kind of branding. Yeah. They attach their cultural identities to it. So. And again, Turkey, it's not like we don't have halal restaurants. And it's, you know, we have halal restaurants everywhere in, in, in Paris. A, a lot of the, the, the little shops you'll see in the streets of Paris will display their halal or, or kosher even. It doesn't really matter. What, what, is, what does matter to the, you know, French psyche is what Jen is talking about. It's something that was, and it's only one restaurant. I mean, I don't want to make more of a big deal than it actually is of this, but it, it, it's, some, it's something that was French that got influenced okay, by French. an outside it's, it's not french it's belgian okay it's european it's but you know european. it's it's that's one difference? second <laughs> trick Sorry. If, if you own the business and you know if you went completely halal your sales will double are you going to yeah. ignore that and just keep on selling the way mm. you are do you know what turkey i think you no one's disputing that yeah i think the dispute is just sort of what is the cause of this uncomfort this discomfort with it Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Jen, you're really formulating my thoughts really well today. Thank Yay. you. It's, it's very comforting. <laughs> All right. I guess, you know, I guess we've, we've, <laughs> I guess we've, we've, uh, we've uh, circled the issue and uh, gone through it a few times. Uh, Kerwin, anything else to add about this? Because we sort of uh, didn't let you speak too much. Uh, no, when we I was on? talking about uh, the op of halal and non-halal I'm more kind of thinking of how this how the issue will evolve in the future in different places because I think that it's um, halal meat is going to become more and more mainstream in these European and American cultures and it's going yes. to be to the point where McDonald's in the US is going to have to work out a policy about mm-hmm. how they treat it about whether they have options or whether they have, that, whether they have um, or what they do but I I think it's that's going to be a real debate, um, maybe within a generation. Hmm. Well, the day we see a Mac Halal appear in uh, across America in McDonald's, it's going to be an interesting day. I'm going, I'm curious. I'm going to find out if there are any Halal McDonald's. There, there might be. So, yeah. Oh, let's <laughs> let's do a quick Google sh- Google search. McDonald's. <laughs> 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 Let's see. Definitely uh, in Islamic nations. <laughs> oh, there you go. Islam in Europe. London, first halal McDonald's. Okay. Yeah, What about in, in America? It? Which? It's, well, it's an article from 2007. I don't know if it's uh, still valid. And I don't know if it's... Yeah, there, there, apparently there is or there was a halal McDonald's in London. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. It wasn't that big a deal. Uh, because But it might be when it. it comes up against very strong Christian religious groups. Yes. It's, That I, might become the real yeah. issue. Okay. I agree. 
And uh, thank you, Turkey, for sending that link to pictures uh, on the <laughs> internet over <laughs> Skype of burkinis, which are the uh, <laughs> burka bikinis. That, that, you had to see it. No, but oh, my I, gosh. <laughs> we actually talked about this in the, in the last episode from last month, and I actually wanted to entitle it uh, Burkini, which I think is, uh, is a fantastic title. But uh, anyone, if you want to basically uh, know the conclusion that we had in last uh, month, episode just type in burkini uh, in <laughs> google and you'll have uh, very uh, sexy images of uh, that garment wow <laughs> <laughs> all right someone else something interesting oh, okay this is one of those sort of um quirky little american kind of pieces of news um there's a group called repent amarillo that's known on the um, on the web. They are actually sort of a Christian terrorist group that has been op openly targeting um, places in Amarillo, Texas, um, that seem to go against their agenda. Uh, if you put in repentamarillo.com, you will find the site, uh, and, you'll, and you'll be scared because it is actually real. It looks like a joke, but it's real. Um, it's sort of being known as the Texas Taliban at the moment. Um, they are targeting... Crap. Yeah, do you see it? <laughs> Army of God with pictures of I'm I'm describing for people who don't yeah. uh, who don't um, who are in their car or don't have the internet right now. Basically, pictures of soldiers and uh, you know armors and uh, guns and stuff like that with uh, scriptures uh, being quoted and a big Army of God stronger for him slogan. Yep, they are actually targeting events like um, breast cancer walks because of their ties to abortion. They are targeting um, anything that basically doesn't fall into the conservative Christian agenda. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're right. They won't ever get into any Christian any news. The white Christian terrorists won't get onto the news networks, Nash. You're absolutely right. Um, but yes, if you... <laughs> notice, that's, that's a so little, this is the notice from the website. It, it has a, um, a helmet with a cross uh, on it, and it says, This site is not designed for non-Christians. Uh, non it is designed as a recruitment tool to call certain Christians to spiritual warfare. If you are not a Christian and you want to know more about becoming a Christian, consider the following links as resources. Um, while some of them support our efforts and some may not, it is not about us and it is about them. It is about Jesus Christ. And mm. Jesus Christ is exactly the words that come to my mouth when I see <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Jesus tap dancing Christ. It's definitely, um, it's just something that came to my attention a couple days ago. And I just thought, oh my God. And they're still uh, allowed to exist. <laughs> that is, and, and are they being talked about? Is there, you know, stories uh, it about It came them, up or? on Twitter. It came up a bit on Twitter. I think there's a hashtag on Twitter. And then there's also um, there. It just it just recently came through some of the atheist twitters. Um, I, I think someone oh. is having issues with their. Okay, um, I'm back. Okay, there's no. There's uh, someone who has a mic that is uh, uh, making weird noises. Is anyone using a USB mic? If they are, if you are, please uh, can can you unplug it and plug it no. back in? No, I'm fine. No, I think that was um, okay. I think that, that was, was my microphone connection going loose. Ah, okay, okay. Um, but it just came back on. But yeah, it's, yeah, I think if you there's it came up on Twitter. I posted about it. On, I retweeted something on Twitter about it as well. So that's it. I'm completely flabbergasted. <laughs> that's exactly like, the word. <laughs> it's there. There's a warfare map with 
pins into the 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 map of uh of uh, uh amarillo wherever that is uh with things like sexually oriented business occult uh, occult witchcraft idol worship compro compromised churches with a uh, comp compromised churches with a, a spelling mistake by the way <laughs> a grammar mistake this is well i i'm i'm sure it's not a major I don't want to. Welcome to extremism. Yeah. There you go. It's in all religions. <laughs> I suppose it is, yes. It reminds um, me of another story that I saw uh, in the last couple of weeks. Jen, have you heard anything about this? A new Utah law could charge women with homicide yes. if they miscarry? It actually. Has that it, advanced? Yes, it is law. It is law now, it has been passed. Um, right. But yes, women, um, basically, women who miscarry, this has to apparently have been in response to some girls who self-aborted or something like that, who had self-abortions or, or did something to induce miscarriage as a way to carry out an abortion. Um, but yes, it, under the law, you are indeed now, um, you, you can be prosecuted for a homicide if you miscarry a child. That is So if you and drink it, too much when you're pregnant yes. and that indicates yeah. it's reckless endangerment all this yeah and i remember uh, another uh, another um uh issue with this which is with abusive husbands if you know you get uh, basically hit into miscarriage you can also be uh prosecuted yes. there is so much that can go wrong with this law which is abhorrent to begin with mm -hmm. um nash is asking in the chat room it's not everywhere it's only in utah isn't it's it? it's only in utah at the moment yes but that that law can be constitutional on a federal level i can't imagine that it would be upheld if there was a you know if a case went to the supreme court although the supreme court at the moment is so messed up <laughs> yeah they just ruled corporates as you know corporations as people so i don't know <laughs> But yeah, I think yeah. Um, I do think that I would like to see it challenged constitutionally, and I do believe there are a couple organizations. I yeah. think national, you know, the National Organization of Women is working on challenging that. But yes, I should get uh, Scott on the show. He's from Utah. I'm sure he would have a few things to say about this. Mm. But, um, all right, uh, Kerwin, anything from you? Anything um, cool no. happened? That Utah story is probably all I've got at the moment. That's the <laughs> okay. thing that came to mind. <laughs> no, I well, was I thinking talk, about something more, more something you know, UK or... UK-oriented? Uh, no. no, UK or, about, or, you know, Philippines. What? How, what how about China? Uh, sure. We never hear a lot about China on the Philippines. Yeah, you know, it's just this little place in the east. We don't really know about them. Tiny, mm. really. But uh, there's... Um, your microphone was, was made there, Patrick. My my microphone? What happened yeah. to it? It was made there, and that was no. Well, China. if not just my microphone, basically everything I own. But um, <laughs> I also have IKEA, though, so it's China and Sweden. Yeah, mm. so, uh, well, still China. <laughs> Apple started. It doesn't matter. I've seen IKEA stuff. They're all made in China. Okay, fair enough. Uh, do you guys know about the Huku registration system in China? The what? Huku, H-U-K-O-U. Okay. Uh, it means nope. household registration system. It's something that Mao set up in 1955. And what it said was that uh, every person or every household is registered to the particular town that they're from. 
and all of their services like education and health have to be procured within the town that they're from. At the time, because Mao was quite anti-cities, the idea was that this would be a way to prevent um, massive uh, over-urbanization and urban slums that was seen in Latin America and other parts of Southeast Asia at the time. Um, now, in the last 20 years or so, as the, the coastal cities have, have been opened up to free trade and uh, the economies of places like Shanghai and Beijing have uh, seen millions of people uh, moving into those cities from the countryside to make those little microphones and all those other things in your room. Yeah, They're, Nash is saying Patrick was made in China, which I don't think so. <laughs> mm -hmm. We never know. But so the household registration system still applies. It means that the, all of these workers who have moved into the city, they can't always get proper health care in the cities that they're living in. They have to go back to the countryside. And more importantly, their children are not allowed to attend schools in those local areas. So the millions of people have moved into Shanghai. That means that there are hundreds of thousands of children who've come with their parents who are not allowed to attend schools in Shanghai because their household is registered out in the country. Wait, so you mean that you can't register to the new city that you move to? It's very, very difficult under the law because the, that law was built to uh, resist Prevent people from moving yeah. into the cities. So it's become a complete anachronism in the China of today. And so this is a problem that the, the, there's a lot of um, illegal schools that get set up, for example, but they can never get a license. So they're always threatened with demolition and things like this. And because the, uh, the people who are moving in from the country are moving in from much poorer areas into much w w wealthier cities. So they mm -hmm. can't afford the real private schools and the proper health care. And so when, in places like Beijing and Shanghai, where new areas are getting reached, developed, the schools are being forced out, uh, and the children really have no option other than to quit school altogether, just stop studying, or they have to be separated from their parents, move back to a country town they've never really lived in, and told that this is where they belong. So does the, the government, uh, is the government looking into this issue and trying to solve it, or are yes. they... So, you know, uh, Over the last five years or so, there has been increasing pushes uh, from various quarters saying this is incredibly unfair, we need to update the system. Uh, it's still very hard to organize, uh, whatever happens, it'll still be very hard to organize a transition because it will. this is something that affects 300 million people. Uh, so, and well, just allow them to relocate. Well, you could, but there would be a lot of other systems that, that uh, go awry at the same time. You'd then need to find ways to start planning for massive numbers of formal schools. You'd need to have huge reallocations of health budgets and new hospitals and things like that. So it can, well, it can be done. But, and, but, so what's been happening in the last, last few months is that a, a, a few months ago in the national conference, the Chinese leadership finally said, well, they've said this a few times, but... Uh, it seemed to carry a bit more weight this time, that they are now seeing that the hukou registration system is a barrier to economic development in the country. Yeah, duh. <laughs> so, and so it was part of, it, it was previously kind of one of the lower priorities because they said, well, we've got bigger economic problems to work 
out and now they're realizing that this is slowly becoming the, one of the major priorities for the country economically and well the thing week, is it's yeah sorry go ahead well, well this uh, this week there is a there is another national assembly to work out the, the political mm. the direction of policy in more detail and to begin the week there are 13 major newspapers in the country who released a combined editorial. They were inspired by the combined editorial. It was released by 50 newspapers worldwide for the climate change conference in December. But they wrote a combined editorial uh, uh, saying that it was time for the country to throw out this system. And so this is the first time where the Chinese assembly is trying to work out how to replace it. It's interesting because this system that was supposed to prevent uh, massive urbanization is basically it's basically uh, provoking a sort of not slums, but it's making uh, um, uh, all the people who move to the cities at the request of the government to to build the the infrastructures that they need. It's making them into you know illegal. Yeah. Well, you're actually you're actually right. The first time it did create slums because mm -hmm. they could not obtain formal housing in the new areas yeah. and so people would just crowd into family apartments and you'd have apartments with 20 people in them and things like that that it, it did create a new kind of slum because it was an anachronism mm. so yeah I mean that's that's the, the problem with the laws is if they don't have the resources to, impl to uh, influence the consequences then all they're really doing is if they can categorize a certain activity as illegal, but if millions of people are still doing it, then all that's really happening is that you have a law that categorizes millions of people as illegal. Mm. Yes. All right. But, that, mm. but that's going to be something that's really going to change the face of the whole society there if it gets pushed through. And it's something that's been very, it's been very important in the, the studies that I've been pursuing in recent years as well. It's an issue that we're all looking forward to some very big reforms mm. interesting it's it's funny how you 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 know you hear about the problem and then you think of the solutions and you're like yeah the solutions you know we, they could do this and that and then it would make things better and then you take a step back and you're like why the hell was this a problem in the first place this yes. is ridiculous well yeah, but, but, yeah, um, essentially Mao was against cities sure yeah, 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 obviously. You have to yeah. look at it the, from the bigger picture. The more b b there's too many people immigrating to big cities. Uh, uh, many countries are losing many of their uh, small towns and their uh, ag agricultural uh, uh, systems. So it is yeah. a complicated well, situation. I I agree, but then if you have a plan to not have uh, giant, you know, agglomerations and cities don't get hundreds of thousands of people in the cities to build, you know, the, the, the Olympic stadiums and, uh, and the uh, skyscrapers and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, but that's not the only reason people would immigrate. And, uh, for example, we have here in Saudi Arabia, Riyadh City. It's one of the fastest growing cities in the world. It's unbelievable. Well, the reason for the this is that, it, the, the, yes, there might have, you know, uh, issues with big cities on the, you know, urban and economics uh, standpoint, but it's also a very strong uh, stimulant for the economy in general to have big cities and concentrations of, you know, consumers and goods and production. And yeah, so but, but too many people are immigrating, abandoning small towns. So many well, small towns are turning into ghost towns. 
Yeah, but that's because the economic systems are favoring that. I mean, we live right now in economic systems and we live in a because we live in an economy that is dominated by corporations and by is dominated by a centralization of resources, it then follows that people follow where those resources are. People are are moving into cities because that's the only place they can make a living. And wait a second. That. Yeah. I I agree it's it's the only place they can make a living. Well, yes and no. You can live outside of a city, you know, in a small town. You're just not going to have the same kind of life. You're not going to have the same kind of comfort. And it's not the corporations that make cities, you know, a, a hub for uh, commerce and and uh, and wealth. It's the way that concentration of people work. It's it's not I think you're, you know, being a little bit uh, disingenuous. Am I oversimplifying here. Not, it a bit? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. I guess we're we're reaching uh the end of the show here. We've been going on for uh, uh But, quite a while. Yeah. Um any, anyone else wants to add one last story before we sign off or are we done? I'm going to Rio. Nope. Woohoo! Uh yes. for the carnival? No, that was, the carnival no. was last month. I'm going there for the World Urban Forum. Well, that's boring. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> That's not sexy at all. <laughs> Steam is coming to the Mac. Oh, there you go. That's a lot more tech sexy. Um, but no, tell us about the the World uh, Urban Forum. Well, you know about the there's the World Economic Forum in Davos that happens yes. each year. There's the World Social Forum that happens in Porto Alegre. <laughs> And no. now there's the World Urban Forum, and it's being run by UN Habitat. And so it's the thousands. Uh, the registration numbers are kind of like fifty thousand people, uh, who are going to, to talk about their, the NGOs who organise slum dwellers in cities around the world. There's a lot of um, pro, pro, multinational property developers, lots of multinational engineers, and planning consultants, uh, and then the mayors of many cities around the world going to gather and work out how to solve the urban world's problems. So when you've solved urban world's problems and, uh, you know, found a solution for evil corporations that bleed cities and uh, countryside, uh, you know, dry, uh, will you still come back on the show and tell us about all of that? Of course. Do you Thank watch you. a lot of RoboCup or something? <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was just riffing off Jen's comment that evil corporations I'm are I'm sorry, evil. I know that was really bad and I really should have been a bit less uh, I agree with that. I mean, it's not entirely that simple, but <laughs> Oh, that's okay. I do it all the time. Now you make me feel bad for making fun. No, it's of cool. <laughs> All right, I guess that's going to be it for us. Um, why don't you guys tell us a little bit uh, more about where people can find you on the internet? Uh, Turkey first. Well, you could find me on Twitter, of course, which is twitter.com/slash Saudi. And you can check my website, which is uh, a Saudi life, that's one word, dot net. I've been trying to post more on the blog, and I'm trying to get my podcast back up and running. But I've been very busy with a new project I'm working on. Yeah, you're being old Mr. Uh, Mr. Capitalism Man. Dude. Excellent. It's money. When yeah, you have no, money, I agree. I, when you have money, you have nice cars, nice homes, you fly first class, you have some nice <laughs> hey, babes. When, 
when when you're when you're you're you have like a, a, a huge mansion with uh, uh, pools and stuff, I'll come visit you and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know enjoy yeah. your money. Tell us, tell oh, us don't worry, you, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll buy a villa in, uh, in, in France. Oh, excellent! We can go to the south of France together and enjoy <laughs> the halal meat there and admire <laughs> girls in uh, burkinis. <laughs> Are you talking about uh, me by any chance? You're talking about the wrong person there, man. About what? I don't believe in burkinis, only bikinis. <laughs> no, I know, I know. We'll have that too. We'll have a choice. <laughs> uh, Kerwin, you were saying something. Uh, was I? No. Shall, oh, I, talk, no, well, shall I say where people can find me? That would be great. Well, people can try to find me in London, but I'm in and out so often these days. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to find me at a website called The Global Urbanist, globalurbanist.com. It's Global Urbanist, not The Global Urbanist, right? Well, either's fine. But, well, Google, oh, Google The Global Urbanist or Global Urbanist. It'll all point you at the site. Fantastic. And it's a, it's a news portal for issues of urban affairs, urban management around the world. Excellent. Uh, and you also uh, told me that we had to uh, say something on the air uh, when you were coming on. Um, Did I? About our common friend. About, oh, oh, we have to wish happy birthday to Rowan Hand. Uh, who's a, an American screenwriter, grew up in Kansas, lived in Paris for a few years. Now he's here in London. But uh, he introduced Patrick and I so many years ago. And he's uh, 28 year old, years old today. Oh. And, and happy birthday, Rowan. Happy birthday, Rowan. I hope the hangover we gave you last night is not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> give, give him a, a manly hug uh, for me and also a little kiss on the cheek. I will. For his birthday. That's so European. <laughs> Jen, so where can people? <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at, at Shannon S E I double N E A double N. That's S E I double N E A double N. That's my name on Twitter. Um, I do have a website, JenHazel.com, but it's really very, very, very starting off, and it's actually more geared towards my theater work. So um, there's pictures up and contact info that way, though. But Tell don't us again. Tell uh, us again, where does the word Shannon come from? Shannon is a Gaelic word um, from celebrating my Irish heritage, which is now what I am an Irish citizen through my um, aunt, my grandparents. Um, and it means music maker or maker of music. And it's it's uh, a word that sounds like an excellent idea to choose for a name on Twitter <laughs> until you actually have to give it out to people. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> it's just been the handle of use for years. So, yeah, but you, if you pretty much you can find me by that handle on all sorts of places. Excellent. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and I am uh, not Patrick on Twitter. That's just one word, not Patrick, so you can find me there. And you can also find details about the show and links and all of that on the website, which is thephiliusclub.com or frenchspin.com, which is the central site where I have all my shows. You'll find also a schedule there to see when we come back. That will be in three weeks because it will be, as usual, back to the last Saturday of the, of the month. And uh, we'll see you then. And until then, we will wish you an excellent month of March. Thanks, everyone, for being here, and talk to you soon. See you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
Okay, Patrick. Yes. My name is Turkey, T-U-R-K-I, just for everybody in the chat room. It's not T-U-R-K-E-Y. <laughs> I'm not a country. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should have you should have said something during the show because now people are not going to hear chat it. Room. They're in the yes, chat. Yes, I'll 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 leave this on the. <laughs> and I got you so burning, Patrick. <laughs> no, you didn't. I yeah, didn't. As you kept on insisting. I was walking around and not answering your question <laughs> because you didn't. You didn't. You you just because you can't. You can't compare these two countries. Of course you can't. I was just trying to claim, make a look, theoretical. If, we claim, if if Saudi Arabia ever claims that it separates state from religion, <laughs> then you can compare. I wish you you, you can't had compare a country that says it's a hundred percent religious and you can't even be a, a Saudi national without being a Muslim. You can't compare it to a country that separates state religion from state. I wish you had gotten that angry on the show. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.